Again, uh, the, one of the prayer requests was for Maxine Piper. Uh, of course, her son did pass away very unexpectedly. They do not know why. I spoke with her on the phone the other day, and ju- they're just really uh, emotionally distraught because of this, because it was sudden, and they have no idea what caused it. And so uh, please pray for her. He was a believer, so we rejoice in that fact. And so let's um, uh, pray if you would keep her in your prayers and the family during this time of when a, a death is sudden like that, it is, I think, the most difficult because you don't have, to, you have no way to prepare for it. It seems like when a person dies quickly, it's good for the person who passed away, but not for those left behind. And for those that have, you know, a long drawn out sickness, at least the family can prepare mentally and emotionally for that. But then again, that's hard on the person who's sick. So either way, it's not good. But this was a sudden one. They have no idea why. In fact, she told me they're going to do an autopsy on him to figure out what caused that. And so uh, please pray for the family. I'm sure they'd be grateful. All right, let's continue our study on angels. If you would, please uh, turn with me to the book of Hebrews in your Bible before we actually get to our uh, outline. Last week, I'm going to do a review from last week. But most of our time last week was talking about good angels. There's two categories of angels. There's good angels and there's evil angels. And the, uh, we've spent most of our time last week on the good angels. We left off talking about the evil angels, so we'll review on that. But uh, if you would, look with me in the book of Hebrews in chapter 1, please. Hebrews chapter 1. Here's the verse that I find great comfort in concerning angels. Hebrews chapter 1, the verse we did look at, but I want to look at it again. Hebrews 1, verse 13. In fact, the whole chapter of chapter 1 is a comparison between angels and the Son of God, Jesus. The writer of Hebrews is trying to present Jesus as superior to angels. Angels are very special in the uh, theology of uh, the Jewish people, and they exalted angels very highly in their thought and the things of God. And so the writer of Hebrews said there's someone greater than angels, and that's the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And so he's presenting the Son of God as better than angels. In Hebrews chapter 1, look in verse 13, please. Hebrews 1, 13. It said, To which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. Of course, who is he talking to? He says, Sit on my right hand. The Son of God. He did not say that to any angels, so about the superiority of Jesus to the angel, but verse 14, are they, to about angels, not all ministering spirits, sent forth to minister to them who shall be what? Heirs of salvation. Who's that? That's believers, you and I. So here's a verse that tells us that God specifically sent angels, these good angels, to minister to, to, unto us. And we talked about that last week, how they do that, to protect us. They minister us, they guide us many times. They deliver God's messages in the Old Testament to his people. But go with me now to now, if you would please, to Hebrews 13, please. Hebrews chapter 13. I find this one very interesting. Hebrews 13, please. We talked about, and one of the things where God sends angels to protect his people, and we saw, remember, where Elisha and one of his servants were being tracked down by the king of Syria. Remember that? And the king found where he was. He was completely, he was in a certain city. So the king sent his army, he completely surrounded the army. 
and around, excuse me, around the city. So Elisha could not get out. And the servant got up the next morning and saw they were surrounded and he became very concerned. He said, Master, what are we going to do? And I love that story. He said, well, we don't have to do anything because greater, he said, more, there's more with us than there are with them. And no doubt he said, wait a minute, now there's just you and me. That's two and there's hundreds of them. How can there be more with us than with them? Then he prayed. And he said, Lord, remove the scales from this man's eyes so he can see. And God did that. And he saw a garrison of army of angelic beings completely surrounding this human army. And so basically it shows us the angels are all around us. We just cannot see them. With that in mind, look in Hebrews 13 and verse 1, please. Hebrews 13, 1. It said, let brotherly love continue. Verse 2, be not forgetful to entertain what? Strangers, why? For thereby some have entertained angels unaware. So basically, there may be some strangers that may be angels. We know that that happened to Abraham. It happened to several people in the Old Testament. But this stranger you may not know may be an angel in human form. Now, we don't know if it would be or true, but the Bible says be careful when you entertain somebody, you may have entertained an angel unaware. So basically, again, that shows that all around us. We saw last week that God's assigned an angel to every believer. That angel will stay with you until you die. And according to Luke chapter 16, when Lazarus died, he was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. I believe that when you die as a believer, your soul and spirit will be ushered by angels in the very presence of God. So that was last week. So let's take up what we left off. And then we're going to talk about evil angels. Letter B of this Rome number three, I believe it is. Evil angels. Again, we did a little bit of study on this last week, like a quick review. We'll take up what we left off. So these are the angels which followed Satan. Remember, angels fall in two categories, good or holy angels and bad or evil angels. Uh, of the one-third of the angelic host God created, rebelled with Satan against God. And now they're called evil angels, they're referred to as demons, those that followed Satan in his rebellion against God. And so these are angels that followed Satan in his rebellion against God. They are for whom hell is prepared. If you would please go with me now to the book of Matthew, and I'll show you this a verse we looked at before, but again, I want you to see it. When God created hell... He did not create it for man. He created it for the devil and his angels. These are the evil angels, the angels that rebelled against God with Satan. Now, we've learned that the angels are numberless. There's so many you cannot count them all. And if one-third of a numberless number went with Satan, you realize that's a lot. And it says there in uh, Matthew 24, look in verse 41, Matthew 24, 41. And this is the judgment of the nations where God separates the believers from the unbelievers. And he speaks to those that are unsaved. He says in verse 41, then shall they say also unto, then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed in the everlasting fire, talking about hell, prepared for who? The devil and his angels. So God created hell is a creation of God, but he created for the devil and his angels. So these angels one day 
will stand before God in judgment, and they will uh, be cast into hell. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says that believers will judge the angels. That Christians, you and I, will judge them. Exactly what that judgment is, I do not know. But it says we will judge the angels. Now, these evil angels, a quick, we covered this last week, the destination. And Mark, go to with me now in Mark chapter 1, please. Mark chapter 1. You hope you're in Matthew there. Go to Mark. These other two verses in Mark 5 and Mark 9, we'll look at later on tonight. But Mark chapter 1, there are several accounts in the gospel of people that were demon-possessed. Well, these evil angels actually possess the body of men. And we shared with you last week, you and I don't have to worry about that. A Christian cannot be demon-possessed. Because in the first John, it tells us, greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. And who is he that is in you? Jesus Christ, Christ to be hope of glory, but he's in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. So our body is a temple of God, therefore Satan cannot dwell that. But it says here in Mark chapter uh, 1, verse 23, in fact, look in verse 21, and they went to Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, and he taught them as one that had authority, and not as the scribes. In verse 23, and there was in the synagogue, by the way, that's the place of worship. Guess who was there? In the synagogue, a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. So there was a man in the synagogue where the Jews went to worship. There was a man there, demon-possessed. And said so he cried out, verse 24, saying, let us alone. Notice it was not one demon. He didn't say, let me alone. He says, let us alone. So many demons can possess one person. We're going to show you more of that later on in our study. He says here, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know that thou art the Holy One of God. The demons know exactly who Jesus was, though man did not. They knew exactly who it was. In fact, when they looked at Jesus, they were looking at their creator. Jesus created the angels. So no doubt, no doubt that brought great fear in them because here the Son of God, the creator of the universe, their creator was there in the person of Jesus Christ. And in verse 25, and Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And so basically, here's a man demon-possessed by many demons. And of course, Christ cast out the demons. They have to do exactly what Christ says. He says, come out. They have to what? Come out. So let's go on. The division. We saw this last week. The divided, these evil angels divided in two categories. Fallen. By the way, they're all fallen. Fallen and free and fallen and what? Chained. So all the demons that followed Satan in the rebellion against God were either chained or Roman free. We're going to talk about later why some were chained. But here's the verse 4, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So they have a judgment set for them, but some of them did something that God actually chained them ahead of time waiting to be judged. Another verse, Jude chapter 1, verse 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate 
but left their own habitation, he hath reserved into everlasting what? Chains unto the darkness of the judgment great day. So there are some of those fallen angels that are not Roman free, but actually are chained in this place called hell, waiting for the judgment day. The free angels, their activities. I'm going to go through this quickly because we covered this last week. They possess the bodies of men. We saw that already, where a man in the synagogue was possessed by several demons. Luke chapter 8, verse 36, they also which saw it told them by what means that he was possessed of the devils. Now, the devils is demons. There's only one devil. There's many demons. It was healed. So a man that was possessed of demons was healed. They not only possess the bodies of men, they vacate the bodies of men. Matthew 12, 43, when the unclean spirit is gone out of the man, he walketh through the dry places seeking rest and findeth none. So they will come and go in a person's body. They will dwell, they will vacate. That's their activities. Their energies, they inflict physical pain. The person they possess, they inflict physical pain. Mark 9, verse 20. And they brought him unto him. When he saw him, he straightway, the spirit, tear him. Talking about him physically, tear his body. And fell on the ground and wallowed and foaming. And he asked his father, how long uh, is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, as a child. So here's a child possessed by a demon. And it goes on to say, and oftentimes it hath cast him into a fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Of course, Christ did and remove this demon from this child. So not only are men sometimes possessed, also children. But notice it inflicted pain upon this child. It inflicts physical infirmities. Mark 9, 25. Again, I'm going through this quickly because we covered this last week. When Jesus saw that the people were running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf what? Spirit means he could not talk or could not hear. I charge thee, come out of him and enter him no more. So the characteristics of the demon is also found in the characteristics of the person he possesses. So the person he possessed was also dumb and deaf. Now I share with you last week, if a person is deaf, you may find a person can't speak or can't hear, doesn't mean he's demon possessed. Sometimes people are just born that way physically. But there are spirits of that way, and when they indwell a person, so is the person that they indwell. They inflict mental maladies. In Mark chapter 5, verse 15, we're going to look at this verse later on. And they came to Jesus to, and, and see him that it was possessed with the devil and had a, the legion sitting and clothed, and they said, in his right mind. And they were afraid. So this was after the Lord removed the demon from him. And notice he was clothed in his right mind. So basically, when he was demon-possessed, he was not in his right mind. He was not thinking clearly. He had mental maladies because of the possession of this demon. They produce moral impurities. They produce moral impurities. In Mark chapter 5, verse 2, And when he saw 
excuse me, when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, means morally unclean. And a person possessed by a morally unclean spirit, also very morally unclean, involved with so much sexual type sin. And so they uh, produce moral impurities. So these demons rack, rack, rack habit upon those whom they possessed, physically, morally, mentally upon them. Their characteristics. Some are lying spirits. Some are lying spirits. In 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 21, it said, And there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go forth and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, Thou shalt persuade him and prevail also. Go forth and do so. So many of the prophets of that time did not tell the truth because they were possessed by or influenced by this lying spirit. So they are lying. By the way, who is the father of lies? Satan himself. And no doubt many of the demons are the same way. Some are foul spirits. Some are foul spirits. In Mark chapter 9, verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people were running together, we saw this already, he rebuked the foul spirit. Foul in their behavior, foul in their everything they do. Next, some are seducing spirits. So much false doctrine today in many people and in many churches are a result of being seductive, seducing spirits. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, talking about the Holy Spirit here, that in the latter time shall, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to what? Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Boy, that characterizes so many denominations today. So many denominations today that once very uh, true to the faith, fundamentals of the faith, are now abandoning the faith, abandoning the Bible, abandoning things of, of God and no doubt by the influence of satanic spirits, seducing spirits, and doctrines of the devils. So many denominations now are ordaining homosexuals. So many uh, now are, are approving that uh, lifestyle, which God says is an abomination to him, and it's not because they're of God, because they're not of God. And, and so it's because of being seduced by demonic spirits. Their power. These demonic beings control both bodies, the bodies of both man and beast. Both man and beast. Turn to me now to Mark chapter 5, please. Mark chapter 5. Here's an amazing story. I think we referred to it last week. Mark chapter 5. Your pages are awful quiet tonight. Are you turning with me? Mark chapter 5. Look with me in verse 1, please. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into a country of the Gadarenes. 
And when he, talking about the Lord Jesus, would come out of the ship, immediately they met him out of the tombs, a man of an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man can bind him, nor not with chains. No, not with chains. So evidently, he was a very physically aggressive person that men tried to uh, overcome and bind and also put chains on him. But it says in verse 4, because they had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. So this demon-possessed man was extremely strong. They took chains and bound him, and he broke them apart and freed himself because of his physical strength. Verse 5. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself a stone. So remember this is a demon inflicting pain upon this man that was possessed. Verse 6, but when Jesus saw, I mean, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. So here's the demon-possessed man. Remember, he saw Christ. Remember, the demons know exactly who Jesus Christ is. And they realize, here's my creator, the one I've rebelled against. And saw him, and they ran and worshipped him. Verse 7, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Now, he knew exactly one day he will be tormented. He's got a, a day of judgment coming. And he said, Lord, uh, um, don't do that to me now. <laughs> but verse 8, and he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is what? Legion. For we are many. Now, I think I touched on this basically last week. Legion, a legion is in a Roman garrison of soldiers, over 6,000 soldiers. So here's a man, demon possessed with many demons. And so, if he's true to the way it's used among the Roman soldiers, there's over 6,000 demons and possessing one man. Now, I'm going to show you clearly that there were at least 2,000. We're going to see, but it's read on. And he besought him, this demon-possessed man, demons-possessed, besought him, Christ, much that he would not send him away out of the country. And there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought, notice all the devils, means the demons, besought him, saying, send us, notice again, plural, into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep uh, place into the sea, and there were about 2,000 of the swine and were choked in the sea. So there were at least 2,000 of them. So basically, at least 2,000, not more demons possessing one man. No wonder he was so strong. And so again, they controlled the bodies of both the man and also the swine. They controlled a man and beast. Acts chapter 19, if you would turn here. This is a humorous story to me. Acts 19, please. I get tickled every time I read this. Acts 19, please. Bless you. (laughs) 
Acts 19 and verse... In fact, let's back up in verse 11. Acts 19, 11. It said, and God, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs, or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out from them. So basically, Paul was able to cast out demons also. Verse 13, and there, then a certain vagabond Jews, exorcist, that was, these are Jewish people who consider themselves exorcists, they, they exercise, basically, they, their job was to cast out demons. And, uh, <laughs> and notice what it says here, Vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits. The name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure thee by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. So these were unsaved Jews, no doubt, the religious people of Christ's day, that took upon themselves to try to cast out demons of a man demon-possessed. And they did it by the name of Jesus and by the name of Paul. But read the next verse. (laughs) And it goes on to say, uh, verse 14, And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, a chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, And Paul I know, but who are you? In verse 16, And the man in whom the evil spirit it was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them, and they fled out of the house naked and wounded. You know, that tells me, uh, this demon possession thing is very serious. And if you know someone demon possessed, be very careful. (laughs) Now, no doubt this was an unsafe person trying to do this. But notice that this demon-possessed man beat up on him, stripped him naked, and ran, all, ran, ran him out. So I think here they're trying to get a little fame for themselves because Jesus was very famous among the people because of his power to cast out demons. So was Paul. So they said, we're going to try it in the name of Jesus, in the name of Paul. The demon said, I know Jesus, I know Paul, but I don't know you. <laughs> and then he jumped on <laughs> Doesn't make a good movie, but <laughs> don't know them and whooped up on them. So anyway, let's move on. Their power, their existence. Mark 1.39, and he preached in the synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils, again, demons. So they were throughout all of Galilee in the time of Christ's day. And uh Cast out, again, devils is not talking about there's many devils, there's one devil, but the word devils is plural for demons. Again, the word devil is the best translated demons. There's only one devil, but many demons, the devil being the prince over them. Matthew 9, 34, but the Pharisees said he casteth out devils, means demons, through the prince of the devils, talking about Satan himself. So remember, Jesus was accused of casting out demons in the power of Satan himself, which was false. And so again, uh, many demons, but one devil. The four Gospels introduced demonism as a thing that was well known. If you read through the Gospels, demon possession was not a surprise to the people. It was quite common in Jesus' day. And so people in New Testament showed no surprise at demon possession. 
Now, chances are you have not ever met someone demon-possessed. If you knew, did, you probably didn't know it. But it was very popular in Christ's day in the New Testament time. And they were not surprised when they found someone demon-possessed. It was very common back in the time of Christ. Christ gave his apostles power to cast out demons because they were so prevalent in his day. Matthew 10.1 said, When he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. So it was, again, it was very prevalent, very popular in the time of Christ in his earthly ministry. There was demon possession in the early church. Right after the time of Christ, when he went back to heaven, when the church was founded at Pentecost, if you read the book of Acts, sometimes there was an account of men being demon-possessed. Acts chapter 8, verse 6. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crieth with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsy, and that were lame and were healed. So again, in the time of the apostles, after Christ's ascension, the early church, there were demon possession that was being dealt with by the apostles in the early church. Demon is, demonism is reported by many in modern missionaries. We may not see many, much of it here in the States, but many missionaries in third world countries have experienced this and, and it's common over there. And by the way, demonism is very common in our states. I believe it may manifest itself in different ways, uh, not like the, uh, we see here. But many of these in third world countries, they worship devils, they worship demons, and therefore many people are possessed by demons. But many missionaries in third world countries have give testimony of demon possession of the place they minister. Let's talk about the chained or the imprisoned angels. Their sin. In Second Peter chapter two, verse four. In fact, if you would, would turn with me there, please. Second Peter chapter two. A verse we looked at already on the screen, but I like to look at it in your Bibles. Second Peter chapter two, verse four. Remember the angels fall in the two categories, those that are free and those that are chained. And evidently, there was a group of the fallen angels that did something that in a, such a serious way that God actually chained them prior to their judgment. And he mentions that in verse, chapter 2, verse 4, for if the angels, if God spared not the angels that what? Sinned. He's not talking about when they rebelled against God. Because there are many, the, the angels that are, the evil angels that are free also rebelled against God. It's not talking about the sin of rebellion in heaven with Lucifer. These angels must have did something extra whereby they sinned and the result was but cast them in down to hell and deliver them in the change of darkness to be observed in a judgment. So this group of angels that sinned does not tell us what the sin is. But evidently they did something in such a serious way 
uh, more than just possessing people, that God actually took them and judged and chained them. In fact, turn with me to Genesis, please. Here's one possible explanation, Genesis chapter 6. And keep your finger in Peter there, please. We're coming back to that. Genesis chapter 6. Here's an explanation that some people believe that it was possibly the sin of these fallen angels. Genesis chapter 6, please. Now, again, there's a difference of opinion on this view. There's good men on both sides. But I'll, I will give you the pros and cons for them and, and uh, uh, of both views. In Genesis chapter 6, look with me in verse 1, please. Genesis 6, verse 1. Are you there with me? It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, verse 2, that the sons of God, remember that phrase, saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all they chose. And verse 3, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he, uh, that he is also is flesh, yet his day shall be 120 years. And, of course, 120 years later, the flood came and destroyed all of them. And verse 4, evidently as a result of the sons of God marrying, uh, I mean, the daughters of men, there were giants in the earth in those days, and also that when the sons of God came to the daughters of men, they bare children unto them, and they became mighty men that were of old, men of renown. And verse 5, God saw the wickedness of the man was great on the earth, that every imagination and thoughts of the heart was only evil continually, and repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and grieved in his heart, verse 7, and the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I made them. So the view of many that the angels that sinned were cast down into hell were, in verse 2, the sons of God. Now, the sons of God are used three times in the book of Job, referring to angels. And so many believe the sons of God were angelic beings that came unto the daughters of men. And, and the uh, support for this view, that these were, they, these were demons, or at least demon-possessed men, as a result of this cohabitation, what kind of uh, children do they have? It said there, verse 4, there were giants in the earth in those days. Now, some people believe the sons of God were Christians and the daughters of men were unbelievers. And uh, if, in other words, if the sons of God here were believers and the daughters of men were unbelievers, I don't know about you, that, that in a marriage happens all the time. And the result are not giants. <laughs> So evidently, as a result of this uh, cohabitation of the sons of God, many of you, the sons of God, were actually were uh, back then powerful men uh, of military or in, served in political means. And they were the ones who tried to gather them harems. And many people believe that was that. But however, 
whoever the sons of God were, and they married the daughters of men, the offspring were giants. And notice, after this happened, in verse 5, God solved the weakness of man. So basically, and listen carefully, please, the view that these were fallen angels, either they possessed men, cohabitated with women, and made giants, basically it was Satan's way tried to infiltrate humanity. Because in Genesis chapter 3, basically, uh, God told Satan that the seed of the woman, that his seed would go against the seed of the woman. That basically a woman would be the one who would bring forth a Messiah. So they believed that Satan knew that. So the way he would try to stop that from happening is that he would pollute humanity with a demonic seed that if a woman did bear the Messiah, the Messiah would be have a demonic uh, genes, you want to call it through that, to stop the Messiah from coming. And basically, as a result of this cohabitation of that, the wickedness was great throughout all the earth in such a degree that God says, I'm going to destroy all the earth. Now, if that was true, that these were angels, and basically God said, I'm going to stop what Satan's trying to do here. He wants to pollute humanity with a demonic seed, I'll wipe out humanity. And he exactly did. And there's only one family that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And who was that? Noah's family. So that's the view that the angels that sinned, these angels that cohabitated women, he cast into chains of darkness. Now, is there any verse that talks about, may support this New Testament? Let me show you. Go with me now to Jude, please. Go with me to Jude, way back to your New Testament. In Jude, you say, where is Jude, Pastor? Right before Revelation, only one chapter, so it would be easy to miss. In fact, mine's on just two pages in my Bible. But an amazing statement's made here. Again, this is another view to support that the sons of God were... Uh, demons or demon-possessed. Now, the uh, verse used to show this is not true, those who do not believe they, the sons of God were demons, is because the book of Matthew, remember, it talks about uh, that basically in heaven, that we are never, neither given in marriage or married in heaven for like the angels in heaven. So they said, well, see, their angels don't marry. But it says the angels which are in heaven... These were not angels in heaven. These are demons on the earth. And so that's the reason uh, they think well, that, that verse would not apply to them. But here's a very strong verse to support that view in Jude chapter, only one chapter. Look in verse 6, please. And it says, The angels which kept not their first estate, that's talking about being a holy angel, but left their own habitation. That was heaven. He hath reserved everlasting chains under darkness unto a, the judgment of the great day. So again, there's that particular group of angels. They left their, the idea of a position of an angel and, and also left heaven itself. And God uh, chained them. But look in verse 7, please. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, 
giving, it says, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange what? In other words, when did, like manner goes back to the angels. So what he's saying here, the people in Sodom and Megalar gave themselves over to strange, and fornicate strange flesh in like manner as the angels did. That's the implication here. In like manner goes to the angels there in verse 6. So when did the angels give themselves over to fornication and go after strange flesh? They say this is a verse that supports that the sons of God in Genesis were fallen, were fallen angels. And so uh, let me show you another verse. Yeah, you still, you still have Second Peter chapter 2. Notice the sequence of Second Peter, of the angels, of Sodom and Gomorrah, and the flood. On the flood in Sodom and Gomorrah. It says, and, and people believe this was in sequence to showing that these angels, the sons of God in Genesis 6 were fallen, were fallen angels. Chapter 2 of Second Peter. We read this already. For God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them the chains of darkness and reserved them in judgment. And notice in verse 5, right after that, and spared not the old world and saved Noah and the eight persons and a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood upon the ungodly, uh, world of the ungodly. Verse 6, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah in ashes, condemned them with overthrow, making them an example unto those that should uh, after live ungodly. So the sequence here, he's talking about angels that sinned, then talks about the, fl- uh, the flood, and then after that, that. So they believe that supports that the angel, the sons of God were angels, because uh, God, right after that, to destroy humanity, brought the flood. So these are verses that support that view, and so you have to make up your own mind. Is that true? So is the sin that these angels did with the fact trying to uh, populate or pollute humanity by the sons of God uh, in cohabiting with the daughters of men, uh, I don't know. There's good men above. I took up several commentaries, and I've got several good commentaries, and there's difference of opinion on both. So you could, that's an area that two good men can disagree and still be two good men. But there is support for both sides. And I try to share the support of the one side there, angels at sin. So whatever they, angel, who these angels were, whatever sin they did, that would be a good explanation of it. That God says, because if he used them as example and chained them, he says, demons, you don't ever have to do this again. What they do, they cohabitate women trying to pollute humanity. And so they, uh, that was an example he set for those who try to do such. All right. Present position, we saw there. It said that for the, God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. And here's what I'm going to do next week. Listen, please. I'm going to take a break from the study of angels and talk about this place called hell. What is this place called hell? Notice these demons that sin were cast down to hell. Now, the word hell there is not Gehenna, which is the lake of fire, which God has, uh, remember, prepared for them. This is a different place. So next week, we're going to talk about this place called hell. And we're going to focus on hell itself next week and get back the following Wednesday is the one affair. Then after that, we'll get back to our study of angels. So I think it'll help you understand this better, this place here, the position. They were cast down to hell 
And the word hell there, the Greek word is the word Tartarus. These angels that sin were cast down into Tartarus, the innermost prison of Hades. Now, where, what is Hades? I'm glad you asked. Come back next week. We'll find out what Hades is. Chained in darkness, waiting the, the judgment day. So we're going to stop right there and uh, finish up. So next week, we'll take a break. You don't need your notebooks next week. You can bring them if you want to. I'm going to talk about this place called Hades, the place where these certain angels sinned were chained, and talk about this place that's mentioned both in the Old and New Testament. So please come back next week. I think you'll find it very, very interesting. Uh, it's 756. Let's bow together, please. Dear Father in heaven, it's a very interesting to study these creatures called angels. And Father, we believe it to be true because your word tells it so. And Lord, these are beings far more intelligent, far more powerful, that exceed men in every aspect. But Father, they were created by you prior to the creation of this earth. And Father, we see that a group of them rebelled against you with Satan. Satan in his fall because of his pride, of his beauty and his power, wanted to exalt himself above you and your throne, and you cast him out, and so many of the uh, angels went with him. And Father, we looked at that tonight. And I pray, Father, that you would uh, encourage each one here to continue the study on what we've covered here. We covered it quickly, go back over it in their own time, so they can have more understanding of the, of the truths of these fallen angels. Fast in Jesus' name, amen. Now, again, next week, we're going to talk about this place called hell. Then after that is the one affair. Then the week after that, we'll go back and do a study, or a study on Satan himself. I think that's in your notes. And we'll spend several weeks on the prince of the devils, uh, the anointed cherub, and learn about our arch enemy, uh, uh, Satan himself. God bless you. You are dismissed.